Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is Quantum Nurse, and I am Grace Asagra, your holistic registered nurse. Thank you so much for just following me and the Freedom Broadcasters in all our live streams and in all episode production that we've been doing individually and as a group. We've been doing this just so we can really reach out to um, those especially who are willing to take into consideration that things may not be may not seem to be okay so thank you for being with us and for yours for everyone's support today i am so happy and privileged to have dawn lester with us and because she's going to lead us to conversation where we could really have that understanding of the basic foundation of what good health is all about, which I believe that all of us want to have good health, just as all of us want to have happiness and success. So now is a perfect time for you to listen intently with my conversation with Dawn Lester. So let me just tell you a little bit about her if you don't know her, but basically she's not uh, a strange, a stranger to some of you and to many of you who's been following what is the germ theory or you know questions like what makes you sick or what is the underlying definition of what disease and health are all about. So thank you. And let me just read a little bit about uh, Dawn. And this was really an introduction would have been with uh, David Parker, but we're gonna miss David today, but in the, like a month or so, we will have both of them together and in a live stream. So I'm very excited and looking forward to that. So Dawn Lester, is, she's not like um, from the medical field. She has a background in accountancy and when I thought that it's in accountancy, that's even an advantage because, you know, in accounting, you got to be very detailed. You have to really be good in looking at numbers, looking at information, so you could help clients in many other ways, especially in their finances, etc. So Dawn has, with David, they have backgrounds in the fields of accountancy and electrical engineering, and they really went deep dive into research of what health and what makes us sick. And it's interesting that they referred to Albert Einstein's quote that if you keep doing the same thing all over again and you will never have a different experience. And that's why with that understanding, it would, they were even more confident to really go deep dive because now they're looking at everything in a different lens, the lens that maybe so much helpful for you and I. And that's why I'm happy to have Dawn Lester. Dawn, welcome and thank you. Well, thank you, Grace. It's, it's great to be here, to be with you. So how about, I wanted really to know first, what, what experience, what uh, aha moment did you have or what awakening moment that you have that you suddenly, you know, you and David decided, we're gonna look into this. Uh, it wasn't quite an aha moment, but we were working on another book um, that was on a completely different topic, not about health, called The Nature of Reality. Um, something like, um, I don't know, 13 years ago or something like that. 
And in understanding reality, we wanted to understand, um, you know, the the human body and uh, we and it led us to ask questions well you know how how do we become ill so um we you know because of those backgrounds we didn't have um any kind of background in any medicine or medical education or um of that type so we were able to ask a simple question well what does you know what does make people ill um and, you know, we'd been brought up with the usual, you know, the standard um, ideas about germs and uh, medicines and, you know, the kind of things that everyone accepts that makes them ill, mainly germs. Um, so we thought, OK, well, we'll have a look into this. And um, uh, so we started asking the question, OK, OK, well, what are germs um, and viruses? And we started finding some uh, really amazing information that showed that viruses uh, in particular aren't what, we, what we're led to believe they are. Um, we're all led to believe that they're um, some kind of organism that can spread around and attack people and cause infections and make them very ill, have all kinds of um, symptoms. You know, you can have a fever or cough or all kinds of things. And some of them are really deadly and they can create all kinds of very dangerous diseases. Um, and one of those um, dangerous diseases we, that we um, were told about was uh, AIDS. And um, that, that was actually the first disease, really, that we started looking into and found that really there's some very, very fundamental flaws in the idea that there's a virus called HIV that causes a disease or a syndrome um, called AIDS. Um, and we spent quite a lot of time looking at this because it was such a shock to us because we lived through the uh, 1980s and all the really, really terrifying news stories about um, this horrible plague that was going to affect everybody it was going to kill millions of people it was dreadful it didn't matter whether you were you know whatever sort of whether you're male or female it was it was going to affect everybody and it was really really scary um so imagine now um absolute shock when we came to the information that says that uh, well that's not the case and the evidence actually shows that there there was no um actual virus uh, behind this, this so-called plague. So we thought, well, this is a big, big story. And if, you know, if there is no actual evidence that um, the virus that is given the name HIV exists, because that's the information we found, I'm keeping this story quite short because it's, it's quite a long story. Um, we started looking at other infectious disease or so-called infectious diseases and started looking to see, well, are they caused by viruses? But as you say, because we don't have um, backgrounds in the medical field, we were able to ask the sort of questions that um, people who are trained in that field may not necessarily think of asking because they've been trained in a particular way. And so they, uh, if you like that, you know, they sort of go along with the training, believing that what they've been taught is in fact correct. And so they accept, because that's the way the medical system trains them, they accept that viruses or, or other so-called pathogens cause disease. 
So we were able to actually ask the question and we looked at lots of uh, so-called infectious diseases because we wanted to see just whether the HIV thing was just a, you know, just a one-off story or whether it applied to other um, so-called infectious diseases. So we started looking at um, a number of them, including the kind of typical childhood diseases like um, chicken pox, measles, those kinds of things. And then we started looking at um, the, uh, well, the influenza, um, which is supposed to be caused by a virus. So we looked at the, what is called the Spanish flu or the 1918 flu, because again, that was supposed to have killed millions of people. So we thought, okay, well, where's the evidence? I mean, that's really what was the basis for all of our research was we were looking for the evidence to support the um, statements by the medical establishment, um, you know, the WHO and these kinds of organizations um, that said, you know, this, this disease is caused by this virus. Um, and so again, influenza is supposed to be caused by a virus. So we went looking for the evidence and found that in fact, it, it just isn't there. Um, so with all the different uh, so-called infectious diseases that we looked at, we realized that there was, there was some big problems with what we were being told. Um, so we, uh, again, because we kept asking the questions, well, if it's not a so-called germ or, a, um, I mean, at the time we started with viruses, we did look at bacteria as well, and, and they don't cause disease either. So when we were looking at all these different um, disease or so-called diseases, we thought, well, what, what does cause um, what does cause people to be ill? You know, again, it's keeping to that a very um, basic question, which is why it ended up being the title of the book, which is what really makes you ill? Um, because that was the basic question we kept asking. Well, if it's if it's not a virus, what does make sorry, excuse me, what does make people ill? Um, so I suppose really that's the background. It, it wasn't much, as you say, a, an aha moment, but it was a, a series of discoveries as the result of asking the basic question, uh, or, and we kept asking questions and we kept looking for evidence that just kept us going, um, and which is why it took us uh, over 10 years to put the material together in the book, because we just kept uncovering so much information. We thought we need to put a lot of information into the book so that it's not just a simple case of, well, we've we've shown it doesn't, um, you know, it's not just one, uh, one or two diseases. It actually is quite across the board in all these um, so-called conditions. I mean, we don't call them diseases really because they're not, and we can, I can talk about that a bit more later. Um, but the, you know, why people have all these symptoms, what is it? Um, and there is, uh, you know, we can say there is absolutely no evidence and never has been any evidence that any so-called virus, and as we say so-called virus, because again, um, they're particles, they're not what we are led to believe, you know, they're not little organisms that, uh, you know, go around and, and go from one person and spread, you know, in, in droplets from coughs and sneezes and, attach themselves to somebody else and burrow into their system and cause them to be ill. It just 
simply isn't the case. Um, so we, uh, as I say, we, you know, we, we kept digging and, and kept looking and kept putting the evidence together uh, because we knew we, we had to cover a lot of different questions, a lot of different so-called conditions, because we knew people would say, um, if we just mentioned a couple of diseases, but what about this disease? What about that one? So we had to cover quite a few. And, and so, of course, it, it takes quite a lot longer to, to gather the information together. It's it. It is very obvious that for non-medical people, you took more time, more seriousness, digging into all these things for many years to bring, you know, the, the things that people don't know about as compared to doctors or nurses or, you know, the profession, because I'm a nurse and I, I can relate to what you're saying that, you know, we just really receive what, what, it, what the information from the textbooks. And most of our textbooks really come from uh, the Western world because I was living in the Philippines at that time. But the only advantage that I have, and I, I now know that it's an advantage is because even if I was reading all the textbook, my experience um, whether it's personal and family and my observation, it goes beyond the Western way of healing. And that was really, I really um, appreciate that experience. Okay. And, and we're not saying here, right? Don, check me if, if, if I'm correct or not. We're not saying that people don't develop symptoms. People don't get sick people don't have some type of disease or whatever imbalance that each of us have. But we're just, what your book and research is all about is what are the underlying factors that might really be causing it as opposed to what we typically just funnel down information from wherever, from the books and from the doctors, from someone who wears white, uniform or white lab coats and that's for me that's really been an, an an issue as well when people just look at anyone who has that md nd or whatever that letters after their name that might be of science background is like they're the only person people who are correct so I'm really glad that you are not from there. <laughs> and I like people to be. And also Dawn, if you all, uh, my experience also that in the last, I came to United States in 1985. So then I've seen from there to now, it's maybe like in the last 10 years that more ordinary people are taking steps. They became health coaches, they became whatever you call them, life coach in order to help people. So in my understanding, the way I process it is when there's certain disease, there's just an epidemic, pandemic or whatever is being promoted in the mainstream media that way before that things were happening. So it can be just from one issue and they said, okay, it's a virus or it's a bacteria. Things were happening already. So people have to kind of open their eyes. So share to us a little bit about the um, mainstream medical system that you know the whole world has adopted. 
yes. I mean, when we talk about the uh, medical system, we are talking about the Western model, um, um, which, well, it was the Western model. It's now being promoted and uh, promulgated by the WHO, the World Health Organization. Um, and into just, well, every country around the world. I think there are very few exceptions. Um, and so that's the model for so-called uh, pub global public health, um, which is, as you say, based on a, a different understanding of um, the body and what makes people ill than the more, uh, than the older, more sort of traditional systems that don't look at, uh, if you like, diseases, they look at what's happening within the body. They don't look for um, these so-called germs. They will actually look at the symptoms that people are experiencing and then trying to find the causes of those symptoms. And, um, it's just unfortunate that uh, about 100 and, 110, 120 years ago, um, the, the model that we're now uh, living under was uh, set up through, mainly through uh, America and the, um, well, the Rockefeller system through the Flexner report because they wanted to put out a particular system that's um, that encouraged the use of pharmaceuticals, uh, which almost entirely, I mean, most, if not all, all of them, are made from petrochemicals. And of course, the Rockefellers were um, very big in the uh, petroleum business. So it suited them to be able to make product, uh, to you know, help make the products, these chemicals that became what are known as pharmaceuticals and now called medicine. Uh, so it's it's a it's a very different model from the idea of uh, the, the more traditional um, systems. I won't call for medicine, but the systems of healing, where people are uh, considered as a as a as an actual sort of a whole body. So looking at the kind of symptoms that they're expressing, um, but not just the symptoms, but to understand whether there is an imbalance, what is going on within the body. Now, the, there are uh, many different factors that could cause these symptoms, but we tended to um, put them into what we call sort of four categories or the four factors on which we can go into, if you like. Uh, I mean, the, the history of the um, Western medical model, if you like, is, is you know, dealt with in detail by lots of um <laughs> in lots of books we we do cover it a little bit in the book not in a great deal of detail because it is uh you know quite quite detailed and quite in depth um but it is important to understand that this model is not one that actually understands the human body i mean there is a, a quote on the back of our book that we like to use from um Voltaire, who actually precedes the, the modern medica medical system by, by a couple of hundred years. And he said, actually, I, I'll read it to you. He said that doctors are men who prescribe medicines of which they know little to cure diseases of which they know less in human beings of whom they know nothing. And unfortunately, this, this is the, the model, model that, that still exists because the 
the reason that the body produces symptoms is nothing to do with the fact that a person has been attacked by a germ or has a faulty gene of some description. Um, it is actually much more to do with the um, everything that a person puts in and on their body or the things that people are exposed to. Now, certain people may say, oh, well, that's, you know, blaming the victim. It's, it's not. It's understanding that we can have uh, control over our own health, but it depends on what we eat and, and all the different products and um, that we use either on our body or around uh, within the home, but also the, um, the environmental toxins that we're exposed to. And of course, this is one of the big problems because um, uh, we are encouraged not to look at those kind of toxins and not to see them as being um, the kind of things that, that will affect our health and that can affect, uh, affect us in all sorts of different ways. Uh, not always um, obviously, but in sometimes in very sort of minor ways. But what happens, um, which goes back to what, what you were saying, that just because the symptoms arise, it's not something that's happened straight away. It could be the result of a, a slow buildup of some kind of problem within the body, which could be a toxin of some description, but it, it could also be another kind of imbalance like uh, a dietary imbalance or, or a deficiency or, um, it, but it's rarely one factor on its own, one single factor. It's almost always a combination of factors and that's why it becomes more complex. Um, and so it's, it's very simple to say, oh, well, it's a virus. Um, and when we say, well, I'm afraid, you know, there are no um, viruses that cause disease. There are no disease causing viruses. There's no evidence and never has been. So people say, well, what is it? Looking for the single um, alternative. And that just, isn't, that just isn't there because there's always um, a number of different factors that will act together and, um, you know, it's it's not always easy to know that because, as you say, you know, it's it's a build up over some time, sometimes weeks, months, years, that then develops into the system symptoms. Sorry, and it's not something that that is necessarily easy to look back at because we're all exposed to all kinds of different factors that can affect our health, and so it it's it's complex to know what the problem or what the causal factors are, um, but it is actually easier to understand how to um, correct the problem. And that is to, in, you know, to, to look at creating health rather than fighting disease. Thank you so much. Uh, you, you brought up a lot of uh, points that really close to my heart. And um, like you brought up the word blaming. And uh, so that we can really carry on with this, this conversation to many different subtopics. But let's, uh, I wanna go back to when you mentioned about the germ theory, and then you mentioned about, um, about oh, the Rockefellers and you know, it's be what's beneficial for them. So those are really important for people to understand that there's always money, there's always, someone is always benefiting 
not 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 to doctors because you know maybe if they were in that system where they get reimbursements yes or that's i know that in the philippines before pharmacy uh, pharmaceutical uh, or pharmacies get also some kind of incentive when they're selling a lot of stuff okay so that's also true but the bottom line is the the ones controlling the whole system is connected to the pharmaceutical system and many other systems it's always follow the money so when i realized that as a teenager i kept thinking first i was sickly dawn so i said and i have dreams i have big dreams so i said ah something is not right with this why don't i study more about what's really what's making me sick and what could help me i guess so i i started with just those simple things and and when you said about that medical system and it really is in so big it, you can connect it to many other systems that basically keep us from not being too healthy when we don't realize what's happening so when i did that uh, in my my mind it feels it feels i am helpless but then at the same time i feel powerful and that's when i took ownership that i'm going to make sure that i will choose health so as you said now what you choose for your food for drinks for your lifestyle for even with friends even with the books you read even with the topics even with of course just every choice is there for that health and and so i i'm i'm happy that you brought up that part because it's not about blaming just to be sure for for our audience no but it is really we have to be accountable we have to take ownership and that full ownership applies to everything whether it be health success happiness and finances you know it's all about owning your every little thing um so when can you lead us again to that um uh, in research that you've had when you talked about the hiv and I, i i bring you back to that just because i came to united states in the 1980s when hiv was on the top incidence okay and i i'm not sure but there were less american nurses american people wanting to be a nurse so we there was an influx of a lot of foreign nurses especially filipino nurses so of course like i i was assigned in the in the um step down unit from an icu where it's really a uh, the age and the a- hiv aids unit and part of that also was tuberculosis unit so and most filipinos really you know we just take what's offered to us if, when we want to get out of our country and help our family because that's usually the incentive so we came we i came to new york and then what i noticed and check it out don i noticed that a lot of the people with hiv or suffering with symptoms that they say it's hiv were also the people who have history of vaccines like hepatitis vaccines you know if they can trace it i think there was a study on that 
And then also now, Dawn, if I'm, if I, I'm not, I didn't go into research of the study, but the young people who have IBS, you know, if, when they can, or they having difficulty in having children, you know, it seems like there is more of that occurrence. Then if you go back again to it, that was also the years, the period when these young people were encouraged to have some type of vaccine. So that's why I said, Dawn, that it seems like this is happening, but there's always something that happened before and people don't go back to what's happened before. Um, yes, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to uh, unpack in all of that. The, um, the origin of uh, what's called HIV AIDS uh, was in San Francisco, I believe, and uh, a small group of uh, homosexual men who were found to be suffering from particular um, really serious health problems. And um, it was, you know, that they were looking for, you know, whatever the germ that's supposed to have caused it. And in 1984, um, Robert Gallo at a press, it was announced and at a press conference and that Robert Gallo had found the uh, cause of AIDS and it was a virus that they called HIV. Um, and then, you know, the whole thing quickly spread. Um, uh, well, the, the uh, propaganda about it spread, um, but the there are some very strong parallels with what's going on at the moment. And one of them is the fact that they are using the PCR test or using the PCR process as a test to um, uh, apparently diagnose whether people are infected with a particular virus. And in neither case, either today or even back then, is that, PC, is that PCR test a valid diagnostic tool? It was, uh, the process was invented by Carrie Mullis, a PhD who um, received a Nobel Prize for it. And um, the, again, the process was nothing to do with the, uh, the health system. It was a, a laboratory technique. Uh, unfortunately, they decided to use that um, as a test process for HIV. And he's um, on record as saying at the time that, that the PCR should not be used as a test because it cannot detect the presence of a virus. It cannot diagnose a disease. Um, and unfortunately, <laughs> they're still using that test for the same reason that he said, that's not what that process does. Um, unfortunately, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, he, he died in 2019, so he's not around to actually speak out against it now. Um, he wasn't the only one speaking out against the, um, the lack of evidence for a virus called HIV. Um, and uh, there were others, uh, notably um, Dr. Stefan Lanker and also Dr. P uh, Professor Priester Duisberg, um, but that the information that they were trying to put out was, was obviously suppressed because it's obviously very convenient for the pharmaceutical industry because soon after, uh, well, actually, no, it was quite a few years later that they developed the, or, or they decided to use the drug that uh, AZT, or <laughs> as you say, AZT, um, 
they decided to use that drug, which was a very strong, it had been a chemotherapy drug. And so uh, as, a, as a chemotherapy, uh, it would have been used or it would have been um, prescribed for people only for very short periods of time. So people would only be taking that drug for a short period of time and then they'd have uh, periods without taking the drug um, so their bodies could recover. But for um, people who were diagnosed with HIV because of a test were then put on this very strong drug, very toxic drug, AZT, um, without any rest periods. It was used continually and it was so toxic it actually killed thousands of people. Um, right at the very beginning, it, it killed everybody until they realised that uh, there was a problem with this drug and they decided to uh, make some changes to the drug regime that they would recommend for people. Uh, unfortunately, it is still used as part of the um, drug therapy, but it's at a much lower dose. And so it's, uh, it has less of a, um, a detrimental effect on people's bodies, or it certainly acts far more slowly. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not toxic. It just means it, it doesn't have such a devastating effect quite so quickly. Um, so yes, I mean, yes, <laughs> there's so much to say about the, the HIV situation. Um, but of course the dissenting voices who, um, were saying, well, please show us the evidence. And in fact, it was Carrie Mullis who himself, um, for a particular project he was working on, I believe for the NIH, he uh, wanted to be able to cite the original paper where, the virus called HIV had been isolated and, and proved to be the cause of, of AIDS um, because he wanted to cite it for this particular piece of research he was undertaking. And he went to look for the paper and he couldn't find it. He could not find the original scientific document, the scientific article that said, that proved the uh, existence of the virus HIV and the fact that it caused the conditions that were, that were labeled AIDS. And so of course that, that it, you know, <laughs> that's the kind of eye-opening um, uh, revelations that we kept finding. The more we looked at all these different diseases, the more we found the same kind of problems. And you mentioned tuberculosis. Now that's um, claimed to be caused by a bacterium. And in fact is claimed also to be related to uh, people who are HIV positive. It doesn't mean they've got HIV. It just means that they've had a test. And um, people who are susceptible to one are claimed to be susceptible to the other. Um, but these are not actual disease conditions. Again, this goes back to the, the kind of lifestyle, the, um, sorry, I, I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, the, the conditions that people live in um, and the food they eat and um, the substances they're exposed to. Uh, that's what produces the symptoms that are then claimed to be uh, um, diagnostic of a, 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 an infectious disease like tuberculosis. And without going back into the sort of, you know, the history of, of TB particularly, but one of the interesting points 
is that TB is quite often claimed to be uh, a common disease of um, poverty, people who live in poor living conditions or, or who live in poverty, but also um, it's, it's uh, having a bit of a resurgence in so-called developed countries, you know, the Western countries, but in inner city slums. So again, that shows that the connection is not to do with, um, you know, some kind of germ, but it's to do with the kind of conditions that people live in. So the within inner city slums, people are, are and people with poverty, their diet is probably pretty poor. They're not getting the good, nutritious, fresh foods they should be eating. Uh, they're surrounded by um, uh, insanitary conditions, or maybe they're not accessing fresh water to either, you know, clean water to drink, to bathe in. Um, and so, uh, you know, th these are the kinds of real conditions that are uh, that that are the reason that people develop these uh, symptoms. Because uh, it's probably at this point better to say what what symptoms really are. They <clears throat> we found that the body produces symptoms in its effort to self-heal because it is actually the body that heals itself, not something that you can give the body that causes the healing. And this again is um, one of the revelations that actually does make um, what we found extremely empowering, as you say, because it is the body that can heal itself. And so, it means you can take responsibility for how you look after your own body and you can control what you put in it and on it, as I, as I said before. So this then becomes, as you say, empowering, but it does mean that people have to take responsibility for themselves. And, and it's not a question of just, you know, change everything overnight, but start making a few changes and start looking at, um, the environment that you live in and, and how you live your life and to start making some positive changes. And, and again, as you said, it's not just the sort of physical um, substances. Uh, it's also to do with um, how your sort of mental attitude is. And um, I don't mean, you know, <laughs> in a, you know, in, in a way of saying, you know, oh, well, if you having bad thoughts, I don't mean that at all. But if you're under a condition of fear, and that's something that is absolutely prevalent at the moment. Everyone's being made to live in fear of this, you know, invisible, non-living enemy. But, you know, everyone, everyone thinks that there's, well, not everyone. I'm, <laughs> I'm pleased to say I think there are increasing numbers of people who are realising that there is no invisible enemy. Um, but, to, uh, but people are being made to fear. Um, not just the disease, but each other. And so people are being separated from each other. And humans are social animals, social creatures, I don't mean animals, uh, but you know, we are social beings. And so being made to be separate from other people is, is causing a lot of anguish and stress. And it, it's not helpful for the body because this is not the way we should be. I mean, some of the ridiculous things is, you know, when I go out and walk around and it's quite sad when people obviously take a, a path to walk around me 
you know, that they won't just pass me as, as, as normal people would, you know, they'll, t- they'll take a wide berth as if I'm, you know, there's something wrong with me. And I, I, I so tempted to, to just say, there's nothing wrong with me, but it, you know, um, uh, it would get into conversations <laughs> that maybe people don't want to have. So you have to be careful. Um, so it, it's, it's, as I say, it really isn't about blame, but it's about learning to take responsibility. Except, of course, that's the complete opposite of how we've all been brought up to, you know, if there's something wrong with you, you go to the doctor because he's got the training, he's got the white coat. And I'm, you know, we, it sounds like, you know, we're being critical of doctors and we're certainly not. Uh, most of them, you know, do go into that profession because they want to help people it's just unfortunate their training teaches them the wrong um the wrong way of helping people you know they're taught that you know if somebody's ill you give them a medicine um and uh, i suspect it's the same with nursing that when you're uh, in training you are bombarded with so much material that it's so difficult to get through it all and you're certainly not allowed to ask questions. Um, so as, as I say, you know, it's, it's not, we're not um, trying to be critical of, of people who trained us as medical people, nurses and doctors. And that certainly was, was not where we started. We, we were simply asking questions, as I said. And it's, it's what we discovered, you know, by asking those questions that turned everything on its head. Um, so again, it's, it's not that, uh, doctors um have uh the well it's it's that their training has has taught them the wrong model of what the body is and very few of them understand that the body is um is is able to self-heal it is a self-regulating organism and it has far more amazing abilities and that's again one of the most empowering parts that you know the body's got such amazing abilities um the, yes. And everything that you said, does that include or is that part of the what we call the terrain theory? Uh, well, there are different sort of ideas about the terrain theory, I think. Um, I or, or a few different kind of uh, interpretations. But uh, I mean, to be honest, it's yes, it's um, the, the condition of your in inner body, so your inner terrain, if you like, uh, affects your health. So the um, the clean, say the clean of the terrain, but it, that also uh, is the same way with the external environment and your external terrain. Again, going back to what I was saying about TB, um, and again, that's the case for um, you, you know we uh, with for uh, the disease called smallpox which we also looked into because that has a, a long history um and it is definitely related to people's living conditions so that does include their uh you know if, if they don't have access to clean water uh, and i mean and i don't mean the kind of clean water that comes out of the tap i mean truly clean water that doesn't have any kind of chemicals in it uh, to, to drink and also to bathe in because the skin um, can actually absorb uh, or does absorb um, substances as well as being one of the body's main elimination organs. So um, things like sweating, um, you know, the body is part of the body's releasing 
toxins. So when somebody has a fever and uh, is sweating, that that's seen as something that's bad. And so, you know, a doctor will say, no, you need to you need to take something to suppress that. And suppressing symptoms is the wrong approach towards helping somebody restore their health to actually heal because these symptoms are the body's getting rid of the, the toxins. And that also applies not just to the sort of the sweat that comes out, but sometimes with things like boils and rashes and spots, things that are called childhood diseases. We found that they are not caused by germs. These are part of the, the body's natural system of releasing toxins. So that's what little spots and um, boils and rashes. These are just different ways of the body helping to heal itself. So again, they shouldn't be stopped. I know they can be um, sort of itchy and irritating, but that's just the way the body helps itself. And sometimes things like fevers and when people feel really quite unwell, as you say, you know, it's, it's not something that's bad, but it's, it's the body saying, now you need to rest. Because if you rest, then the body can use as all its energy to help uh, to, to heal itself. Whereas if you carry on, if you take something to suppress symptoms and you carry on rushing around, your body's really struggling. Um, it can't heal itself because it's struggling to keep functioning, helping you function. And so the healing processes take much longer. It's interesting because uh, when you're describing all of this and sharing all, all this information, what keeps reminding me is the power of the environment. You know, um, and in everything from health to one's success in 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 the you know maybe in your career, because then because and also from went back to health first. So I kept thinking, what about environment and health? Well, if people in a family eat the same thing, do the same thing, and Oh, okay. And of course, if it's in a third world country or developing countries when everything, you know, it's not like in, you don't have a lot of space and air. So you really have, your body will go into that common disbalance or disorder among each other. And I guess that's when they came up with, uh, it's part of heredity or it's part of your DNA. But then there are also studies that how come twins who live differently, they express differently. So then, then of course, then they, you know how they say that, okay, if you are, if your parents are like that, then you will be like this also. And people even become judgmental in terms of your behavior because your parent is like this. But then there's also people who they didn't, they were raised only by one parent. They didn't grow up rich and came out to be really good and healthy and other things. It's because I think something also in the environment changed. So yeah, it's not about we blame and I, I can understand if people don't have all that information, it's because again of maybe who they're hanging out with, who their friends are, who, what they're listening. So then, and however, in all of this, especially for women like you and me, Don, we honor our femininity. We're very intuitive. And I bet, 
I bet that every listener has that intuition that they can feel something is a little off and something is not correct in this situation right now, or even when they don't feel well. So when people can just kind don't have this under, don't have this understanding that it is the external thing that could make them sick, then maybe we can be healthier, right? So first of all, I guess I think we have to really change that understanding that someone out there is making you sick. Dawn, this was what I was thinking when I was in New York last year and they said there is pandemic. I said, it can't be. Now we go back to blaming something. We go back to blaming a country outside our own country and which almost all first world countries have, uh, have their hands on third world countries, developing third world countries. So I said, you know, that's why I said it can't be, it can't be. So, um, but, but what, are, what are viruses? Oh, right. Um, just before I say that, I mean, we, we do uh, talk about um, what are called, I mean, I don't like calling them developing countries because, you know, it, it's, um, it's rather demeaning. But at the same time, there are different ways, uh, you know, different ways, different countries that are uh, apparently not as rich, but the way life is at the moment I think everyone's suffering in, in a very similar way uh, but we but we did look at um, the situation of different so-called diseases in the developing countries and we uh, so we didn't look just at the western world so we did look at um, you know these other countries because they uh, they claim to suffer from certain diseases more than people in the west and you know we we look to see where the evidence for that is as well and it seems to be rather um spare, uh, sort of sparse if you like it's it's not really clear that the kind of information they're putting out of statistics is uh, has any sort of real basis in, in what's going on in those countries and i think part of it is as you were saying because of the influence that uh, certain sort of Western countries have in these other countries. Um, so, you know, within Africa, I mean, you know, the, the whole thing of trying to get uh, everyone in Africa uh, to have these jabs to um, stop them from being ill. And, you know, that, that isn't what they need. Um, most of all, they need the uh, industrial countries to sort of stop trying to exploit their resources but that's a whole other topic but I mean I, I'm sure you're familiar with all of that um, so the, the the simple question what's the virus um, the word virus comes from the latin for uh, noxious substance or poison so it's not um, originally uh, something that was related to a, an actual organism if you like um, but it, um, it was believed to be uh, some kind of disease causing toxin or other within the body that developed. Um, the, in the late 19th century, um, the sort of germ theory came to the fore with Louis Pasteur, who um, is 
claimed to have really sort of put together the germ theory in, and found so-called viral uh, infectious um, diseases like rabies that he thought were uh, caused by viruses, only they couldn't see um, the particles at the time, but they could see bacteria uh, under, a, under an optical microscope. Now, um, the reason that they thought uh, these particle, the, these um, uh, living organisms that were bacteria that they saw, the reason they thought that they were the cause of disease is because, again, like with Voltaire, not uh, they didn't understand the human body and they thought it was a sterile environment. And so these other things that they were seeing shouldn't be there. So, of course, if they were there, that meant they had to be the cause of disease. I mean, that's sort of in a nutshell. It's a little more complex than that. Um, but there were some diseases they couldn't attribute to bacteria. And then in the 1930s, they, uh, the electron microscope was invented and that was able to see much smaller particles. And so they're able to see tiny particles within cells and they believed that they were these um, uh, disease-causing organisms. And, and that's when virus became uh, the word used for a particle um, that is supposed to cause a disease rather than be, being a poison. Um, but the problem is <laughs> that no uh, virus, a part of, sorry, these particles called viruses are uh, claimed to be a piece of genetic material in a protein coat. Um, but there is no original scientific evidence that any of these particles that are called viruses have ever been isolated or shown to cause any disease. So these particles that are called viruses, you know, these bits of genetic material are called, as again, called a virus and blamed for diseases, but there is no evidence that that is the case and never has been. And um, it, it really is, again, quite a, a shock, and I'm sure it will be a shock to a lot of people, that um, the idea that the, it's a, an organism when these particles are not even living at all, but it's an organism that can spread in the air and we can all pass to each other, which is why we've got to take all these measures. But that just simply is not the case. There is no evidence that any of these particles have ever caused any disease. Lately, really, I have been hearing people use the word particle more, you know, and. I like that. I think I will begin saying that because then um, it, we just have to call it like it is, you know, because then people will understand and be less fearful. And when you mentioned about fear earlier, in, in, in the indigenous healing systems around the world, from what I understand, there's only one underlying cause of illness and that's fear. And so it's, he said, because when you're fearful, that's when everything else you attract to you, or you can't, including the, not, uh, the lack of understanding of how our body works. So that fear and that, and that the, uh, 
they just kind of make it simplify, you know, and I like it like that coming from the indigenous tradition that is fear because again, fear, it leads to many things. Then that the, the solution is love, love in a way where you could open your self more for compassionately to what maybe we don't know. And then when it comes to health, um, Dawn, the more I, I love studying about health and I love conversations like this, we really, there's always something that we still don't know. And that's why when we think we know it already, it seems like something else again comes up, right? You know, and that um, think there are stories and in, in the, some of your interviews and from other people's personal experience also of even friends undocumented that they will say that, okay, one chose to have a chemotherapy and then that chemo led to more problems and it will eventually just shorten someone's life. And then the other one said no. And then the person has longer life, healthier, less chemo toxic side effects, or let's just say the, the symptoms that the chemo caused, not just side effects, it's actually what it leads someone to take chemo. There is actually um, evidence to support the idea that, you know, how we feel about things, how we think about things, our, our beliefs and ideas and fears uh, do affect us uh, and can affect our health. I mean, there's the well-known placebo effect where people can be given um, a, a simple sugar pill and um, their symptoms can go away and they can, you know, they can recover from uh, some kind of health condition. And so, um, you know, that, that alone is, is quite amazing that people don't have to have an actual uh, medicine that they can actually uh, become healthy by, by simply taking a, you know, a, a sugar pill, which, but, but the important point is that they believe that that pill is going to help them get better. And also uh, faith, faith and belief in, in a doctor can help as well. There is the other side to the uh, placebo effect is and it's called the nocebo effect, or it, it's also got some other names like, you know, uh, voodoo, uh, hexing. And the, it, it sounds strange, but it is so powerful that people can actually be convinced that they have something wrong with them and they can, that, that can cause them to die. They can have a fatal condition and they die when they are given the, you know, on the kind of prognosis they say given maybe, oh, you've got three months and at around the three months they die. And in some cases it's been documented that on autopsy, the, they have, they've found that the, the person's body doesn't have a significant amount of pathology to, to warrant that they're actually dying. So they, there's no obvious cause of death, except for the fact that they've had this uh, strong uh, prognosis and, and they've believed in it. Now, as you were saying, that can cause all sorts of problems, but there are other people who can get a prognosis of you've got three months and they can say, sorry, I don't accept that. I, I don't believe in it. And they can completely reject it and be absolutely fine 
and healthy for the rest of their lives and have a long life. And so uh, it, it does sound rather strange. And some people say, oh, you know, that's there's no scientific evidence. Well, there is. There's plenty of it. Um, there's even a term it's called medical hexing. And that's why, uh, you know, the, the idea of having a prognosis um, for a particular condition somebody's got. And it's, uh, I know uh, doctors believe that they're, they're helping their patients when they're really giving them what they say, you know, kind of, well, I'm really sorry, but, um, but they're really not being helpful because uh, in many cases that can actually uh, escalate or, or bring forward the, the person sort of the end of their life or, or a worsening of their condition. Whereas um, a much more um, open prognosis of, well, or even well, depending on the patient and the doctor. And that's why, as you said, you know, there can be all sorts of differences. You know, it is not straightforward that, you know, just this causes that and that's what happens. And there's a, a straight line from uh, a particular diagnosis or a condition that people will always experience the same thing. Because as you say, you know, they, they might have, um, the same kind of life within the household, but they, but the people within the same household may have different ideas and may have different thoughts and may have different feelings. And so the more uh, fearful people are more likely to be drawn down and that uh, in, into a more kind of uh, depressed kind of condition. Whereas people who are um, more positive in their outlook and their, their attitude and they're prepared to make to do something for themselves and to take control over themselves and their lives then you can see a different outcome and and of course this you know this uh, moves into the area I think you know where where you work with people who are given um, like mental health problem or told they have mental health problems and it, it's sometimes um, it's not a question of the, the medicine they're given, but it's a question of the uh, emotional support and the, those sorts of ideas. But I know it's, it's more, far more complicated than that. But again, this is, um, it, it does play quite an important role, um, more so for some people. And, and because we are all different and we have, um, you know, very different lives and, mm family surroundings and environments um, that we aren't all the same, but that's why, that's the amazing part about being human. We're all different and that's exciting. So from, thank you, Dawn. Now from what you know as the four factors that cause illness, what can one do if at this current time, maybe someone is not feeling uh, is, or feeling well, like feeling fatigue, and started maybe to have some respiratory symptoms, like sim simple colds, sneezing. What can you advise, you know, to for them to to handle or to manage it, so that it won't go to that picture that it's been painted on the mainstream media that would happen. Um, well, as I said before, the first thing is not to suppress symptoms and if at all possible to rest and let the symptoms just 
work their way through, um, drink plenty of water, clean water. Um, but as the far as the four factors are concerned, um, these are the uh, well, these are the causes of um, health problems, and the first one is nutrition. So again, paying attention to um, the food you eat, and one of the um, points that we we make, we, we recommend uh, a plant based diet. But uh, again, that's not you know necessarily for everyone to to just be totally plant based, but to uh, make sure that you include. Uh, a large amount of fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet every day and you know preferably organic if you can because then they're you know less likelihood of any uh, toxic chemicals you know pesticides or fertilizers on them um but also the by boosting the um uh, the sort of nutritional intake it helps the body um be able to uh, expel toxins which is really what these symptoms are I mean a runny nose a headache you know a bit of congestion this is these are all the body's uh, ways of um, bringing the the toxins out and, and trying to clear them um, so the the second is the uh, the second factor are toxins and then there are many that we're exposed to so everything that you uh, that could be in the external environment, whether it's uh, agricultural chemicals, whether it's substances, products you use in the home, products you use um, on you know in and on your body. Um, the third factor, and we haven't really gone into this, which is sort of uh, if you like David's sort of special field, being you know with his electrical engineering background, mm -hmm. and that's EMFs. Um, because the body is not simply a, a chemical system, it's an electrical system as well, but it has a very, very delicate um, current that, that flows through it. It's, and that can be easily disrupted by much stronger electrical um, uh, fields from the outside. And that, um, that can certainly have a, a detrimental effect. It's, it's because it's, you know, it, it creates interference, whereas the body's electrical system is, is really quite delicate. And that's why we try and encourage people to um, not keep, well, not to uh, have, well, certainly if they're using their cell phones, not to put them near their head, to keep them away from their body, to turn electrical equipment off at night, you know, certainly Wi-Fi's if you can, not to have them in your bedroom, to just try and minimize the exposure as much as possible. Um, and the fourth factor is, is the one we, we were talking about before, which is uh, what we call excess emotional stress. Now, I mean, that, that covers a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, other situations we were saying, you know, with fear and emotions and, and how you feel about yourself. Um, it's, it's stress, but in a, in a way that actually is excessive. And so it, it causes distress to the body. And so the body's um, uh, not, in, not in a balanced way. And so, you know, the mental, um, your mental attitude, the, the way you think and your, your ideas and, you, and can affect the way your body actually functions because it can put uh, a physical stress, even though it's an emotional a, a, a mental stress it can put a physical stress onto the body so we try and get people to you know think of ways that they can alleviate the stresses and one of the main ways which is why we're you know trying to help people at the moment is 
not to be fearful of an invisible enemy that doesn't actually exist anyway and to to start realizing that you know this isn't this isn't anything that is really uh it's not a real disease that is being spread around now people are ill they do become ill and people do have all sorts of problems but it's nothing to do with any this, this particle and so this particle is is not something to be feared and so that should you know that's the idea to to take the this huge fear factor away from people to so that we can get back to being social beings and and in communicating with each other properly and interconnecting properly well, thank you for, you know, sharing those four factors, because if we can understand those four factors, then that also leads us to the, what we can do to restore, to prevent. And that's the wonderful thing when we just kind of allow our body to do its work, because it's good for prevention. It's good for the curative, if you want that term, and it's good for recovery and restoration. So understanding this. So again, if you have any, if, if our, any of our viewers and listeners have any discomfort, think of all those factors and then do something with all of these factors and with the hope and in the intention as Don say that, you know, with where your mind is and then it can help make you feel better, be healthier and not be, prone to any kind of illnesses or some sort of whatever everyone calls it as an epidemic or pandemic, you know better, you would know better. And also we all know now too, when, when we kept saying fear, that's I said, false expectations appearing real, right? So everyone knows that acronym. So, so we could ease up with that. So Don, share us, what is your daily habit then? You know, and if you know also, um, David's daily habit. Oh, by the way, in terms of that EMFs, I know someone who she she's having she had chronic conditions, and no matter how tight her her food is, nutrition, her supplements, but because she keeps driving through the tunnel, would there is that easy pass going to New York, and that was really what was interfering her recovery. So then when she ease up on that and she had some tools that she can use, you know, such as some, some quantum tools, like this is really a quantum tool that I use for frequencies to protect me. So she, she was able to find certain things to protect her in the car, certain pyramids, certain you know, things. And then that's when she it started to get better. So I'm with you with those EMFs and other geographic, just natural, certain landscape can hex you. And yep. so thanks for mentioning that. And that people have to, you have to discover that for themselves. And you think you're doing everything except for acknowledging that all these frequencies, all our phones, all our technology, but it's okay. We can make the most. We know how we have to just use certain things for our benefit because we cannot go back to having no technology, but let's use the technology for our benefit as well. So yes, Don, how, how does your day look like? Hey, someone might want to have that picture so they can figure out what they can do for themselves. 
Oh, um, I don't think I have a kind of standard daily routine or whatever, but I, um, I certainly make sure I, I drink water. I, I um, we have, I have a distiller unit, so I have distilled water, um, and that takes away all of the, uh, um, horrible stuff that's in the water that comes out of the tap or, you know, faucet. Um, so, uh, clean water, um, and, uh, fresh fruit and vegetables, um, you know, that, that's the kind of, you know, the diet I, I have. I am very careful about the um, products that I use for, you know, washing, and, uh, but also for clothes, for using for cleaning around the house. So it, um, it's really putting into practice what we've learned. Um, but it's not that it's a, you know, it's a, a finished thing, as it were, we, you know, we kind of continuing to research and looking to uh, different ideas of, you know, what else we can do to, um, you know, improve health. Uh, I mean, certainly the, at the moment, uh, it would be nice to be able to um, meet up with various people in, in other countries, but uh, at the moment, uh, traveling by plane is not possible but you know so you know that's that's one thing to look forward to um, but in, in terms of what I do during the day I mean yes as you say we use the technology because you know I use the internet for research I mean yes read books as well you know communicate with other people but you know trying to use it wisely as you say not to not to use it um, more than necessary to to turn it off, to go out and have some fresh air, go for a walk, um, talk to people where possible. I mean, it, it's it, it's not really a standard sort of day, really. You know, d different days you know, do, do different things. I mean, I, I'm not. Is that the kind of thing you were you were asking? Or oh, yes, yes, yes. No, though you never this uh, sharing what we do daily, especially if we you know, have some information like this, it's, I find it very helpful. I, I like to know from also others. And then you could, people can say, oh, I think I'm not doing this yet. Oh, I can do this yet. I can do that. Oh, no. Yeah. And that becomes real because it's all about the practice. As we mentioned about, it's not about, we don't blame, but what you know, if especially if you know something good, practice it. Because I've seen people who they are very knowledgeable, but then they don't practice certain things. And then when they really get sick, then they start with a blame game, blame game on a virus, blame game on a bacteria. And then, you know, like, hello, well, maybe what have you been doing in the last month or so? So now that, that daily habit, daily habit is crucial, very yes. important. It's, it's, it's not that we have to be perfect and do it all absolutely perfectly and 100% um, because, you know, the body, as we said, you know, is amazing. It can deal with a certain level of um, sort of toxicity or, or, or things that uh, it's not, that aren't helpful, shall we say. It can deal with a certain level, but it's, it's a question of minimizing your exposures to help the body perform as, as at its best as 
long as possible as as much of the day as you can so if you do spend you know a couple of hours in front of the computer screen it's not to feel guilty and think you know you've done something bad it's um but to also make sure that you know you are um doing the other things as well and you know your body can look after you look after itself um so it is not to be too kind of strict about it because that can cause all sorts of other problems and then you think well I haven't done that and then you get worried about something and that that really isn't the idea the idea is to enjoy life and to um but to make the most of it you need to think about what you're doing during the day and just you know just to take care of as I said what you put in and on your body because that's what you can do you can take responsibility for there are certain things you can't so you know EMFs that are outside in the environment you you can't do anything about that but if you minimize your exposure where you are then you can you are taking control but I think also taking control because it's empower self-empowering it does actually help people it, it, it I think it lifts you it makes you feel yes you know I, I'm, I can do something about this and I'm doing something you know it makes you feel good about yourself as well so you know I, I think it has all kinds of knock-on effects that are you know cumulative and just help you get through things but you know there's it's not to you know feel guilty if you treat yourself to something every now and then you know it's fine as long as you keep you know everything else sort of fairly under control you know or under your own control really yeah fantastic and um yes um and when you said not to be fearful not to blame it's like and also not to be so strict it's, you really just live your life to the fullest and enjoy all that moment and you'll be happy Don. yesterday we were with a group of like-minded people it was this is happening now in new jersey it's it's some 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 groups will meet in a house where we're like just like before no mask or anything and all education is sharing and they say what can we do it's all empowering each other so and people travel also from far just to meet up and so that's and and then support the businesses so yep so that's what we have to do don these are the topics that are really inspiring to to my heart close to my heart for my family and friends so thank you so much for everything that you do please tell them about your book and where you they can find you and other things that you need to share in order to help others Okay, well, our book um, uh, show, <laughs> it's called What Really Makes You Ill, Why Everything You Thought You Knew About Disease Is Wrong. Um, it's quite a large book. It's almost 800 pages. Um, but then that's, you know, a kind of little more than 10 years research that has gone into that. Uh, we've got um, about 40 pages of references as well. So plenty of extra information and um, resources for people to look into to show where we where we found our information you know it's it's there in the book it's uh, we tried to make it um, easily readable for people but also the the fundamental point was to provide people with the information they need to make informed decisions for themselves and so this really is about helping people empower themselves 
Um, we have a website. It's um, not surprisingly whatreallymakesyouill.com. Um, we have uh, a few articles on there. Um, a number of our interviews are on there. Um, and um, people can contact us through the website as well. Uh, we have, uh, well, we have a, at the moment a page on Facebook, but uh, who knows how long that will last. Um, and we've got a few uh, videos on, on YouTube, but again, that's, uh, that might not last too much longer. So we, we're looking at other platforms to, to try and help develop that. But um, the, the book is uh, available uh, as in a Kindle version as well as a, a, a paperback book. So that's easier for people. Um, uh, well, it's, it's somewhat cheaper as well, but it's also easier if, if people want to download it to their um, devices and, and sort of read it on the move. Um, it isn't available as any other ebook, but it, the Kindle version is um, fairly easily accessible through Amazon, although some people don't particularly like Amazon. So, you know, sorry about that, but there's nothing we can do really. Um, so, uh, yes, I mean, that's that's the, the book and the website and, uh, yeah, no, there's, uh, as I say, quite a few interviews up there now on the website that people can look at and find out more about the, the kinds of things that we, we talk about. Thank you. And I'll make sure also that uh, that what the, the, her website, you know, the title of the book will be included, of course, in this video. And this video will be up in at least two video platforms and audio and yeah feel free uh, we're open for questions and if question directly for Dawn I'll pass it on to her and then if it's for me then you know you'll hear from me so thank you so much for all your support and I'd like to share with Dawn and the audience who've been following me know now that I will end up with a quantum affirmation I have these cards Dawn that I shuffle and I with intention I said what can I share with Dawn and with the audience today. And it's always just right on the topic as well. So, and people I encourage you to please say the three times in the morning, at noon, in the evening, and even before bedtime and feel every word because everything is frequency and it could help you not be prone to getting be distorted or disrupted or, or you know, then not feel good. So it says trusting inner guidance. After I have carefully studied a situation and obtained as much information as possible, I rely on facts as well as my own intuition and inner guidance to lead me to the right decisions in my practice. I am powerful. After I have carefully studied a situation and obtained as much information as possible, I rely on facts as well as my own intuition and inner guidance to lead me to the right decisions in my, on my practice. I am powerful. After I have carefully studied a situation and obtained as much information as possible, I rely on facts as well as my own intuition and inner guidance to lead me to the right decisions in my practice. I am powerful. And I know in my heart, I know that this is, this is Dawn and, and uh, David's process when they were writing, they were researching for 10 years. It wouldn't be only facts, okay? 
I know they're trusting the inner guidance. So we invite you to do the same and only you can experience what we talk about. So practice, practice, practice and have fun. Live your life fully and find joy. In my language, I say mabalos. That means thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you, dear audience. And yes, go to my website, quantumnurse.life, and that will always be with your three free videos and also the upcoming podcast. Mabalos. <laughs>